Do you get a plush bathrobe and slippers with your physical exam? Executive physicals seem to be the hottest trend, but are these exams worth the thousands of dollars paid by top business executives and corporations? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Dr. Brian Rank, Medical Director of Health Partners Medical Group and Clinics in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Dr. Rank, welcome to the show. Hi, Larry. Thanks for having me. So I read the perspective you wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine about executive physicals being bad medicine on three counts and thoroughly enjoyed it and was wondering why you've got such passion about this topic. I'm a medical director of a large medical group here in the Twin Cities. We work very hard to create care that's consistent with what we call the triple aim. It is healthcare that improves the health of a population, one patient at a time, the experience of individuals, and work on affordability. I go to the Institute for Healthcare Improvement Forum every year, and as I walk down one of the aisles in the airport to come home, each year almost, I saw a large clinic advertising for executive physicals in the airport. It bothered me that here we were working on affordability on one side and a retail service that was unproven and costly on the other. So for about three years, it sat as a burr under my saddle, and eventually I decided to write something about it. Well, in the end of your article, you say that as efforts to reform the healthcare system continue, the executive physical is a perfect example of what American medicine should be working to expunge, the expensive, the ineffective, and the inequitable. As I read that, I thought, well, do you think under our new president that things will change at all, or will the retail executive physical just kind of continue on? Boy, I don't know. Under the new president, I think that, you know, the health... We've got enough problems. Yeah, we've we've got problems. I think we're, in general, the healthcare system in the United States needs to be much more reliable. It needs to work on the things that can really help people and have an evidence base behind them. It needs to work on creating a great experience for patients, whether they're an executive or a line worker. And we need to not do the things that don't have an evidence base, not just because they're costly, but because they're harmful, too. Before this interview, I was talking with the engineer, Mike, and we were discussing how everyone comes on this show and just says, lose weight and exercise more. And he would really like to hear some voices from outside our country and how they run their healthcare systems and perhaps learn a few things from them so that we can actually change our healthcare system. So question to you is, what have you learned from outside this country that we could perhaps adopt and improve our healthcare system? The Commonwealth Foundation has a really good analysis of healthcare around the world. And there are good things and bad things about almost every healthcare system around the world. We are more expensive and not as efficacious as some. And I think that one of the things that's happened in healthcare around the world and in the United States is that healthcare and public health have gotten divorced from each other. And we actually have to think through how medicine works with schools and social services to make it possible for people to actually walk to work or to create green spaces and to create a culture that actually has better eating habits and better exercise and not smoking. So I think that continuing to increase the cigarette tax is a really good idea too. But I think one of the things that in the United States in particular, we have this belief that more is better. Right. That more healthcare is better, more trans fats are better. And 
I think that there's a group of people at Dartmouth, Jack Wenberg and Elliot Fisher, who actually do a lot of work on variation in healthcare around the United States and affordability. Interestingly, Elliot Fisher has split care into usual care, preference-sensitive care, and supply-sensitive care. And strangely enough, there's some things that between all zip codes, all states have about the same level of service, like hip fracture repair. But there are things that the more you build, the more we do, like CTs and MRIs. Interestingly, also in the New England Journal last year, it looks like about between 1.5% and 3% of all cancers in the country are caused by the radiation from diagnostic imaging. So the harm is real in overuse. The harm is real in doing things to people that aren't needed and aren't proven. So let's explore that a little bit in relation to the executive physical. Let's look at one that uses a coronary calcium scan. Quick CT scan, usually part of every executive physical. And what do you think the harm is of doing that test versus the benefit? I think that there is some growing data about which people could potentially benefit from the use of coronary CT scanning for calcium. And it is high-risk people, but not average-risk people. So the harm is in, number one, radiation therapy to people who may not need it and may not fit the profile of somebody who could benefit from it. And number two, we also find things on CT scans like that, like small nodules in the lung. The incidentalomas. The incidentalomas. I heard an interesting acronym for this from Great Britain yesterday. People who have these are victims of medical imaging technology, vomits. And then that person will need to get probably three to five more over the years to prove that it's a benign lesion. So we've proved that and we've given them cancer as a result. If you do 100,000 of these, and if you look at the websites on executive physicals, there's lots of these things happening, and people are competing to do them out there. But I think that if we do enough of them, we're going to create some cancers. And we estimate in Minnesota that of the 26,000 new cases of cancer, somewhere between three and 400 of them could be related to diagnostic imaging radiation. Do we have any evidence-based medicine that has looked at that particular topic of that particular scan and cost-benefit analysis? I think we were woefully short on some of that research. The American College of Radiology has done some studies to know which studies are beneficial and which are more or less beneficial. We, as a medical group, are trying to put that information right at the point of care in our physicians' and patients' hands so that they can know which studies are more beneficial than harmful. And so I think that there is some evidence out there, not enough, but there is evidence about which things are beneficial when. Since I wrote that article, I've gotten a lot of feedback from physicians around the United States saying these things are really unhelpful. They create this perception of two levels of care that executives get one thing and I get another, when every one of us medical groups strives to give the right care to the right person at the right time, 100% of the time. But, you know, you mentioned that they're getting better care, and all I can tell is that it's costlier care. I don't know that it's necessarily better. We're providing just an illusory sense of health. Absolutely. I think there's false positives in which we find the incidentalomas that turn out to be benign after a number of CT scans. And they also create anxiety. And 
they also create a false sense of I'm doing well. Right. We all know the guy who goes in for his stress test and drops dead the next day. So there's limitations to all these tests. If you remember Bill Clinton's story, I think he's getting a yearly physical from somebody, maybe Bethesda, and, uh, and it didn't stop him from having a heart attack and needing a bypass. Uh, what if the cost came down dramatically? Would you still be against it if the executive physical, if we renamed it the normal guy's physical and it was $200? Would you still be against doing all the testing? I would be against doing all the testing if it wasn't evidence-based. If it was something that the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force didn't recommend, I would not recommend doing it. I had thought about titling this article, Are Our Executives That Expendable? If doing more is more harmful than doing just the right amount of health care. And so it's not just costly, it's actually harmful too. How big is your group? How many docs are in your medical group? We have about 670. So I imagine you own some of your own radiology equipment. We do. Has anyone in your organization said, hey, we need to do one of these executive physical programs because it would be a really good idea to get some money in from people that are not using their insurance to pay and we could cover the costs of our new CT scan? Every once in a while, particularly in tight budget seasons, those suggestions come up, yes. And so you can understand why human beings do that. Absolutely. I think I can understand why people look to make more money. It's part of we're a capitalist system. And I do not quibble with being in a capitalist system. The question is, is healthcare a social good or is it just a caveat emptor business? I think it has to be more than that. I think that as professionals, we physicians must think about what's beneficial for patients and what could be potentially harmful and drive our preventive care in ways that are consistent with the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, the eminent body in the United States that sifts through the evidence for us. I know that Britain has their own task force in Canada. Have any of these countries done the analysis and shown that some of these tests are really not evidence-based? Do we have to wait for us to do it ourselves? Actually, the National Institute of Clinical Effectiveness, or NICE, was in the New England Journal this week, too, an analysis of kind of the experience of that National Institute in Great Britain over the past 10 years or so of the challenges that they've had and what gets paid for in terms of the National Health Service in Great Britain. I think other countries are doing some of the technology assessment and comparative effectiveness work. And really, that's what us docs want. And typically, our pharmaceutical data and our clinical trial data doesn't necessarily give us phase three comparative effectiveness recommendations. As an oncologist, in many of the phase three clinical trials that we put together do give us that which one's best. But for most things, we don't. We don't get that data from pharmaceutical companies whether Prolosec is better than something else. And what people really want is the best care for the least expensive money for whatever issue that they have. I'm a general internist, and I'll do my annual physical, spend 30 minutes with the patient. How can I convince my patient that what I've done in that 30 minutes is equivalent to him spending two days and $3,000. Retitle your annual physical. The annual physical is probably a thing of the past. I'm sure you're customizing your physicals to what your patients need. Sometimes it may be more than an annual physical for the best preventive services. And in some people, they can go a couple of years. For example, pap smears used to be said once a year. And now the evidence has told us that in 
people with multiple negative pap smears that every third year is just fine. Where can I go to see what is evidence-based that I should be including in my physical? In Minnesota, we're really lucky. We have a statewide Institute for Clinical Systems Improvement, and that's a collaboration of most of the physicians in the state of Minnesota that work to synthesize the most recent data into preventive services, guidelines, workflows, and supports for our electronic medical records. Around the country, U.S. Preventive Services Task Force is probably the best website to know what is clinically effective or not. Well, on that note, Dr. Brian Rank, it was a pleasure talking with you today. Oh, thanks. It was fun talking with you. Dr. Brian Rank is the Medical Director of Health Partners Medical Group and Clinics in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and author of a recent perspective in the New England Journal of Medicine, Executive Physicals, Bad Medicine on Three Counts. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can also call us toll-free with comments or suggestions at 888-MD-XM160. And thank you for listening.